Welcome to See You Next Tuesday. I'm Jade Chung. My guest this week I've crossed paths with many times, mostly just at Border City Wrestling in either Michigan or Windsor. I mean, those are the only two places that they hold shows. But the point is, how well do you really know a person? Tonight, I have Team Canada member Johnny Devine. Now, we all know his TNA history, but do you really know Johnny Devine? Do you really know Johnny Devine before he was Johnny Devine? Let's get to it. Please welcome my guest, the Silver Badger, Johnny Devine. Johnny, it's been so long. Way too long, my dear. Way too long. Like I, I, I honestly can't remember the last time we were physically in the same space. Well, other than my wedding, <laughs> that, right? But, Gee, see, but, and that's that would be the last time, and that's I can't remember. But I mean, like, let's—I can't remember, like, in wrestling. I can't oh, remember the last time. Yeah, it would have been another at least five years prior to that. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, maybe. What, what, no, no, I, a time or two in Windsor, I'm sure. Yeah. Did I only see you for for BCW? That's it, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Well, like I traveled around Ontario. Yeah. Um, normally, we, we would cross paths there. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about where you started out. So sure. you started out at the Heart Dungeon. Yes. Um, now, are you are you born and raised up in Calgary? No, I'm BC born. So I was born in a little town, much like the one you're in now, called Merritt, BC. Uh, um, it's a couple hours out of Vancouver. Um, and then I grew up kind of combination of Calgary and Winnipeg, northern Manitoba and another little tiny town called Thompson. Mm. Um, and... When I graduated high school in Winnipeg, um, I ended up going to the States uh, for to go to college and try to play football. And while in the States, <clears throat> uh, I was reeled in hook, line, and sinker by a Marine recruiter. Oh, my uh, I was, gosh. Well, I, I was a big fan of, of the military. Like, I'd been an air cadet and stuff like that. And, um, you know, the Army... Uh, uh, offers of paying tuitions and stuff like that was always very attractive. And so this Marine recruiter, just, they had the greatest promo package, like outside of WWE hype packages. I'm pretty sure the U S military is a close second on their hype work. Really? Um, oh yeah. Like it's, explain it's, this, explain. Well, this. I mean, they, they have people dedicated to creating great video packages to make it <laughs> the most exciting, awesome job in the world. And like aspects of it are, but then other aspects of it are just the not most greatest, exciting job in the world. There's a lot more of those aspects. <laughs> um, but uh, um, the U S system is, is they'll sometimes take Canadians on a hiring drive, but very, very rarely. And at this time they weren't. So I ended up joining the Canadian military because I was not enjoying my college experience. Hmm. And my best friend and I kind of fed each other a good line of bullshit and we joined together. Oh. And then we ended up in the army and I ended up being stationed in Calgary. He ended up being stationed in Winnipeg. And from there I met the hearts. 
uh, getting out of the army, it was the uh, um, 97 stamp, uh, spring stampede or in your house spring stampede show, the one with uh, right. hearts versus Austin, the road warriors and what, and shamrock. And it was amazing. Like it was incredible. That was probably one of the greatest wrestling shows I've ever attended in my life. Um, <clears throat> and there I walked backstage and met uh, uh, well, pretty much all of the hearts at that time, but uh, specifically Bruce and Ross, who had uh, taken over running the dungeon and were uh, uh, actively accepting students. So you you go to the show. Did you did you know anybody? Like, how well, did you uh, get backstage? How did you how did you meet? Well, and that's a uh, um, so fake it till you make it. So I <laughs> was. Wearing a black vest, a la Steve Austin, but not uh, like I didn't. It wasn't like a full-on markout vest. Um, but the security guys at most of these places, like they, they don't know, you know, one family member from another or one guest from another of <laughs> stars. So I just popped myself in at the back of a line, heading through, nodded to the security guy, and kept walking. <laughs> First person I uh, first person I came across was Ken Shamrock, uh, um, and then like from there it was just you know uh, uh, like I didn't make myself stand out by marking out, but I, I blended, said my hellos, and found the hearts essentially, which was my target, and saw saw Ross and started speaking with him, and he introduced me to Bruce, and from there they gave me their number. Wow. Well, that's one way of getting into the business. Well, that's there there's <laughs> at that time, like there's only a couple. An invite is the other one. And the only way to get invited is to go to someplace like in Calgary, you would have had to go to BJ's gym. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, so that you would be recognized by one of the boys and hopefully get invited by one of them. But this was kind of skipping the line when you didn't know that there was a line. Wow. Kudos to you. That's some balls. <laughs> you got it. Like there's, 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 see, that's a, the thing about wrestling and, and those who are successful are the ones with the balls to really hang them out there in the wind and put them on the line because like Josh and you will know, and then many of your listeners may not know the only way to actually get those next step, big bookings is to really hang yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you did that? Uh, I was 23 at the time. So I was technically old for the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I wish I would have started at 18. Oh, totally different. 23 is still young. What are you talking about? It, it kind of is, but for wrestling anymore. Maybe now, back then? Mm, at the time. Yeah. Excuse me. At the time, sort of like it was, a, I, I was an average age, but I wish I would have started a little younger, would mm-hmm. have helped with certain aspects. Gotcha. Okay. So from there, that's how you yeah. got into the so, heart dungeon. Yeah. So I, I was uh, an active member of the dungeon until about 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the ring crew for the first two and a half, almost three years. Uh, um for them and for any other company that was running shows, I would, you know, I, I ring crewed for the first probably seven years, like, like on most shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 
and because like I enjoyed the aspect of the ring crew that it was usually just you and a couple of other guys as opposed to being in a bus if need be or a well-packed car and then you know little extra pay never hurts and like you know hours are long but I prefer that sort of scenario as opposed to buses or whatnot yeah so during this time of training are you still doing military stuff well, no. So my contract for the military ended in uh, the summer of '97. So oh, okay. that was my that was my last rod. I mean, um, you know, I, I had uh, like I enjoyed my military time, and I like I'm thankful. You know, I'm some would consider it unlucky, but I'm lucky that I never had to actually go to actual war mm-hmm. or anything like that. All of my tours were canceled last minute, so my boots stayed firmly on Canadian soil, which you know. Uh, it's kind of the the point of an active military in Canada is to keep them in Canada and not send them all over the rest of the world. <laughs> right. Um, so for me, like I got a lot of really great knowledge. I had like, I got almost every course that I ever wanted out of it. I had a, a machine gunner course. I got a driver wheel course, which anything with wheels, I can pretty much drive. Wow. Tracks a lot, but I got uh, uh communications course parachuting uh the ones i didn't get reconnaissance sniper course would have been so much fun oh my Um, gosh yeah 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 (laughs) but uh um you know mountain ops survival training uh uh, you know like i I had a lot of fun i I learned a lot of really cool stuff can we talk about this barbed wire thing okay you i think you think it's just it's not like a big thing I think it's There's, wild. Can you tell well, okay. everybody what this story is? So, so in the military, they teach you like to jump on barbed wire and how to jump on barbed wire. So the guys can run over your back and you can invade fortified territory. Mm-hmm. The, the difference though is, is when you're talking about barbed wire to keep cattle out, that's different than razor or concertina wire to keep humans out. So when you watch deathmatch and guys are jumping on barbed wire, yeah, you're getting poked and it sucks. It's like a jillion thumbtacks doesn't feel good either, mm-hmm. you know, but the barbed wire doesn't like it'll, it'll rip your skin up Ugh. if you, if you get it caught and if you're stupid and just pull at it the wrong ways and stuff like that, it'll rip you apart. But razor wire you jump on that stuff and it's going to cut you to shreds. Oh <laughs> right? my gosh. And it's, and it's like, there's a big difference between the two. Right. So for me, like when guys are <clears throat> all excited about, Ooh, barbed wire, this and blah, 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 that like, it's like, okay, the barbed wire I'm happy to play with, but the rest of it, hell no <laughs> light tubes. Now nah, you can keep all that stuff. Thanks. But no thanks. <clears throat> but yeah, that's, so, that's my barbed wire thing. Like, I, I mean, uh, t- like, growing up as a kid on a farm, like I've stuck myself so many times with barbed wire that it's not, you know, a big deal anymore. Right. You fall in it, you go, ow. And then you get up and maybe have a little hole in your leg, but then you get up and you walk it off. So I cringed the entire time you were talking about this, the entire time you explained two different barbed wires. Well, okay. Like, so 
can we say badass? Like, can we say this is crazy? Well, like, like so it didn't like phase you? No, no, it would I like pain tolerance is a thing that anybody can build, right? And and like some people are built tougher than others. Some people acquire toughness and have it thrust upon them. Right. Um, you know, the way in which somebody builds their own uh, tolerance to pain makes no difference. After a point, certain things like paper cuts and, you know, cutting yourself with the knife in the kitchen, like little cuts and stuff like that, they don't hurt anymore so much as irritate. <laughs> You know what I mean? So when, yeah. when like you get a scrape as an adult, it's way different than when you're a kid, when you're a kid, it's devastating. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're someone who's never, ever been hit or never, ever done anything physical, it's absolutely devastating to get a cut from something like barbed wire. But for wrestlers who get beat on, like <clears throat> at least they used to, um, you know, there's a, an inherent level of, of toughness there that, like, you ignore minor injury and it is mere irritation. Oh, did you ever, I'm sorry, I'm like taking That's this okay. in because I think it's amazing. Did you ever do any like death matches or hardcore matches at all? Well, I've, I've hardcore. Yes. Like death match. No, I'm not a, I'm not a death match guy, but I've done cage uh-huh. matches. I've done barbed wire corners, barbed wire wrap ropes, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like tables, ladders, chairs, blah, all the, <clears throat> the fineries. I mean, I'm not adverse to the right to color for the right reason, right? Mm-hmm. Color for the right, right reason. Red means green. It's all business. You know, it's right. going to kill anybody. There's smart and not smart ways to go about everything. And I mean, like, if you take, for example, the the recent Blood and Guts match uh, as a War Games match, it was awesome. And other than poor Chris hurting his elbow on the final bump, everyone Mm -hmm. pretty much, other than Sammy Guevara, who takes all of the risks and gets Mm -hmm. all of the bruises that go along with them, right? Like, everybody came out pretty much major injury free. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And as a blow off match, that's what it's supposed to be. Right. Like these guys are supposed to be doing that kind of stuff, but like to do it on a, an indie show for 50 people and a, you know, hundred dollar, $200 payday, like it's, it's guys got to give it some thought. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just right. that lasting effect just doesn't go work well with a $200 payday. Mm-hmm. But I'm not adverse to it. And is that mainly because you just don't feel pain? <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's, there's like, I feel like it's just this, easy for you. <laughs> well, and, and early in the career, it super was like, it super was, it was so, it was hilarious to me. Like we would do, you know, hardcore stuff in the once in a blue moon, but it was always super enjoyable. And those were actually the easier nights for me, because I would probably take less bumps than I would normally, mm-hmm. if that made sense, um, you know, and more just regular selling. But like, then again, my or, or the Western Canadian Calgary style is different than a lot of places, right? So we were used to kicking the shit out of each other, which, 
you know, in the safest way possible, right? Like, right. Yeah. like no lasting effects, but absolutely the guy in the first row knows that I'm hitting that guy and the guy in the 10th row knows that I'm hitting that guy. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up here in Ontario? Uh, a couple of different reasons, uh, mostly because of work, like I, at the point of, of working for TNA, when I moved to Nashville the first time after getting stabbed, uh, uh, I ended up back in Windsor, um, for recovery and, uh, ended up blowing my knee out like in Memphis shortly after getting stabbed. So I ended up in Windsor for recovery from the knee injury, not from the stabbing. Um, and started helping out at, at Border City and Can Am then. And then uh, um, from there, once my knee and I had gone back to Winnipeg for a time because I had to get a Kevlar mesh put in my stomach. Oh. So getting that recut and re put back together and all of that kind of stuff. After that, um, I ended up moving to Oakville and living in Oakville. And that was where I first met Josh. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, my, my time in Ontario, like coming and going, you know, uh, uh, Toronto, Oakville, Windsor area for the most part, you know, has been here and there throughout the career, mostly for work, because flying out of Buffalo or flying out of Detroit for U.S. shows was always the easier way to go. I absolutely loathe Pearson Airport. Yeah, it's still <laughs> the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, like living in Oakville, it was easy to drive down to Buffalo and then living in Windsor, it's, you know, 40 minutes to the airport in Detroit. So convenience for work was the reason I ended up there. For sure. Okay. So you brought up the stabbing here. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's rewind. Let's go back and talk about the craziness. When did this happen? So it was in uh, uh, September of 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was living in uh, Hermitage, Tennessee with Andy Douglas of the Naturals, mm-hmm. um, Angelina Love, and ODB. Mm. So the four of us shared an apartment, uh, and Andy and I were out downtown in uh, uh, Nashville at a place called Bar Nashville, and we were leaving Bar Nashville to go to another club. He had a rental car and we got into the rental and pulled onto Broadway. And I just uh, uh, met a girl at bar who was joining us to go to this other bar. She was in the backseat and we were talking and we pulled onto Broadway and Broadway in Nashville is uh, uh, the main strip. There's four lanes of moving traffic and a parking lane on either side. So technically six lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we pull into traffic, it's like, I think it was like, 10 o'clock on a Saturday. So it was packed and, and not moving. Mm-hmm. And the car beside us was filled with young guys who were drunk and disrespectful. And one of them spit at the young lady in the back. We had a verbal altercation. And then these guys followed us uh, uh, to the next place and followed us in, into the parking lot that we were uh, going into and essentially blocked off the lot and got out of their car and squared off with us. Jeez. Did Way you know dress. that? Did you know they were following you? Not until we got into the parking lot and we turned around and we're like, ah, fuck. Like we, like we knew and we thought we'd lost them kind of thing, but we didn't think we didn't think they'd follow us the whole way kind of. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the fight was on. Um, two on one. And I squared off with a couple of guys. I absolutely positive. I killed one. 
the first one who was the first one who was stabbing me, he was hitting me with this knife, but like I decided comparing it to a punch. It was like, as if your kid, like as if Lucas were punching you. Uh, and yeah, I, I kid you not. That's what it felt like. And I laughed and I had like, just, I, I, I just started punching this guy with glee and his friend, tall, skinny white kid put me in a headlock, which is a horrible thing to do to a wrestler. And I Saito suplexed him onto his brain uh, on the concrete and he's rolled over and started twitching and I kicked him a couple of times till he stopped twitching. Oh my God. Uh, that's the one I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I killed that kid. And while I Saito suplexed that kid, Andy, who had taken one kid uh, and beat him off of their car and then thrown him like clear over the hood, which I saw and was hilarious, <laughs> had grabbed the other in a double choke slam goozle and was essentially beating him off of the hood of the car when the kid that had stabbed me ran up behind him, stabbed Andy in the leg. Oh that point I had let go of the, or I'd, I'd turned from the kid who was unconscious on the concrete mm -hmm. and ran after the kid who stabbed Andy and I, I cross-checked him into the car and then proceeded to close the car door on him a couple of times. And Andy proceeded to ensure that the guy on the hood was unconscious and it was at that point we heard uh, uh, sirens and I was an illegal alien at the time. So I was like, we better go because my papers aren't done yet. Oh, yeah. So we jump in the car in downtown Nashville and we live in a place called Hermitage, which has its own hospital, which is excellent. Oh. And it's literally a block, like less than a block from where we live. So I say, let's go to the hospital by our place shooing the one that's three minutes from us downtown uh and we do probably 200 miles an hour on the freeway through tennessee to Jeez. get to, Her to hermitage and and getting into the hospital is hilarious because we can't find the actual entrance because it's wrapped around the back and this hospital's on a hill so andy drives straight up the hill through a couple of hedgerows and a fence um <laughs> And and are you just like holding your stomach together? Well, like, this, cool, this is like bleeding the, the, everywhere. It's 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 hilarious because we jump in the car and the girls all freaked out. Like I felt terrible. Oh my god, her. the girl. That's right. Yeah, oh, we're, we're like lock the door, don't let anybody in. You know, like she's like, oh my god. And we're we're all like, we're just we're okay, we're fine. You all right? You're good. Okay, let's go. And about two minutes uh, uh, into the drive, I'm like. Um, Andy, I'm all wet, man. Oh my God. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I'm like soaked. Like, so I started checking myself and I have a couple of different perforations, but the big one is my, uh, on my left, left side of my abdomen. Um, so on that one, like it, I, I hadn't noticed the guy tried to cut my throat a half a dozen times. So oh. I had like slash marks up by my by my jugular vein that were only like an inch and a half away. So he was, Jeez. he was almost there. Yeah. Um, that, that was while I had the guy on the ground hitting him. So I guess, you know, thankfully I, because I was hitting him, he was unable to cut my throat. <laughs> um, but he got me a couple of times really well in, in the abdomen and like, it was probably like a three and a half to four inch lock blading knife. If you know what that oh. is like pocket knife kind of thing. 
Uh-huh. So um, I was able to put my whole finger into the one on the left side of my abdomen. Oh, God. Okay, well, I'm just going to keep pressure on this and we better go fast. So we 200, get to the hospital. <laughs> they roll up on the doors. They throw me onto a gurney and are wheeling me in and start going to cut my shirt off. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, it's my, my God. Favorite. It's my favorite. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> And they're like, no, no, this has got to go. Come on, the story, the story. So within a couple of minutes, they assess that they can't do what they need to do to me there. And I have to be thrown into an ambulance and driven back to the hospital. That was three minutes from where the problem happened. So um, $23,000 later, I have... uh, five days stay in the hospital and 75 staples 75 plus staples and 90 some odd stitches and Holy it took God. out a foot of my lower intestine it took out my gallbladder they sewed up my stomach and they sewed up my jeez and then so andy um when they took you away like that was the last time you saw andy for like well, days yeah, like it was it was a while before like so because I was the victim of a crime, I was only allowed four visitors to the hospital room. Um so like essentially it was mostly my roommates and Bob Ryder. <laughs> um and uh, uh at that point like the uh um the meds and stuff like that like they they wanted to put me on like morphine drip like while i was in the hospital i was on a morphine drip and mm-hmm. thankfully because it was quite a lot of pain yeah and then when i got out they start, they gave me um what did they give me like t4s i think we were first or something something with codeine and and like it ripped my guts up like i had like a really bad allergic reaction oh no codeine yeah so i didn't i found out then that i had this codeine allergy and uh <laughs> it was oh, super uncomfortable like you like you want to talk about pain like barbed wire like two one like maybe a point five on a good day uh-huh. right this is like a a, a good nine point nine nine right so that first couple of weeks was super uncomfortable but then uh, um started healing up well and i like i was back in the ring in three months i was back stabbing in december i had wrestled aj styles in december on december 10th or something like that wow so i was on well i was on what was called the pay for play contract so unless i was on tv i wasn't getting Mm -hmm. paid and everybody was trying to replace me in team canada so Damn. I had to, I had to come back and protect my spot, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I'm like picturing you just holding your stomach and like just pressing. Did the military training have anything to do with that? Oh, hundred percent. I did yeah. first aid triage immediately and was like, okay, this is bad. We need to go fast. <laughs> it was, oh. like it was, it was immediate. Like you, you'd learn how to check your wounds and all that kind of stuff and do immediate first aid on yourself. And this wow. was an immediate, this was an immediate, like the, the, the two deep stomach pump punctures were in very bad spots. So like your, your chances of hitting an organ or two are high. Mm-hmm. And that's why I had four essentially that were <laughs> altered. 
And now, do you have a you have a scar from that? Oh, huge! Like my yeah. stomach scar is massive. Makes me look like I have abs all the time, though. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's like cheating. I can be fat but still have abs. I so guess it I turned out to be a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, blessings in disguise, right? See so the silver. It, does it still affect you in any way now, or is it like all good? Oh no, it's it's. Uh, I still have minor hernias, but then the the worst part uh, in 2016 uh, got hit. 2015, excuse me. I got hit head on uh, um, in oncoming traffic, like driving home from work at the gym. Oh, and the uh, accident, the seatbelt. Uh, bent my Kevlar mesh or it popped one of my staples holding oh. my Kevlar mesh in. So now depending, like if I'm laying on my, like I can't lay on my stomach for long or things like belly bumps or even doing abs on certain days, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this uh, staple will stab the shit out of me. Oh. So it's, it's like somebody like, imagine take a pin uh, like a, like a sewing pin or any kind of pin and just hold it above your stomach. And then every time you breathe in deeply, mm-hmm. it hit it. like that's, yeah. that's what it feels like essentially. So every time I roll over or roll onto oh. it, it's like, so stab, it just stab, stays stab. in you forever. Yep. And the options for that, because I had like, I had to find out if I could get it taken out because the pain is uncomfortable. Um yeah. They're like, well, you have two choices. And this is, I went to, there's a place called the Shouldice Clinic in Toronto, which is essentially the number one uh, hernia clinic in all of North America. And I spoke directly to the director of the Shouldice Clinic, the number one guy at the number one clinic. And he's, his words were, Mr. Posnich, your choices are, you can remove this and never do activity again, or you can leave it in and continue your activities. Okay, so if I want to be an invalid, I'll take it out. Stay in. It's going to stay in. Well, essentially, the guys like look like at this point, we would have to do like it's attached on a lot of places and stuff like that. You know, it would be a major surgery and then you would probably never be the same. And at the very least, six months off. That's insane. Yeah. I'm like, I feel really weak right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, so I'm like part, like I'm almost more machine than man. Now it's getting to be because I've got like pins and stuff all over plates in my forearms, meshes in my stomach and whatnot. I just need my, my new robot legs and I'll be doing good. I, I have this written down. I have any crazy stories like besides oh the stabbing and besides that. And I'm like, what did you ever do any, like, well, did you ever like do any bouncing or anything oh or man, like for, for like seven years? Like, okay. I mean, you got to share some stories. Like I, I, I've had some, you're, you're asking a very broad spectrum <laughs> question there. Cause I mean, I, I could tell you stories that would, turn you turn your skin white well i'm like already well (laughs) all right so let's see um what kind of stories are we looking for i mean like road stories bar stories you know like there's school just about anything um let's see 
safe for human consumption. <laughs> Let me just say though, not to sorry to interrupt, for anyone listening, it, it today is Victoria's Day here in Canada. So my neighbors are firing off their fireworks. <laughs> so I'm sorry if you can hear it. I'm gonna try my best to edit it out, but if it gets annoying, I'm sorry. I I did try the best that I could. But um divine oh okay good divine is gonna um completely overshadow the fireworks with his amazing (laughs) stories right now (laughs) Not, not to worry um let's see i mean there are a number of different things that we could draw on that would be considered pretty amazing stories um the first major show that i ever did like there's feathers that everybody gets in their caps you know what i mean that are are everybody's kind of got a uh, uh their own version of wrestlemania do you know what i mean yeah, yeah so so i'll tell you my my version of mania um for me wasn't like, like i've done some pretty big shows i've done you know like some crowds of forty thousand in mexico twenty six thousand here sixteen thousand twenty thousand there blah 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 <clears throat> um the most amazing show that I ever got to be part of was at uh, uh, the Stampede Pavilion in 1999 with, for the resurgence of Stampede Wrestling at that time. And for me, uh, uh, the Victoria Pavilion, because you said Victoria Day, <laughs> uh, in Calgary um, is like my Madison Square Garden. You know, it's, mm. the, it's, it's that's my Mecca. And like, I was a huge Owen Hart, British Bulldogs guy, you know, Brett and, and Jim and the, the Hart Foundation were amazing. Like I, I loved Brian Pillman. I loved Chris Benoit, everybody who came out of the dungeon. I loved them. Mm-hmm. So for me, getting to be the first heel through the entrance and the first match of the return of Stampede Wrestling and like, at that point, I'd kind of been like that. Uh, uh, what a lot of people don't know is I spent a lot of my early years as a babyface, right? Oh. So yeah, and like, like truth be told, and a lot of people don't know this, I was a better babyface than I am a heel. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing you as a face ever. Well, like for so, me, though. Yeah. And, and so, like that's because a good heel is also very hard to find. There's a difference between like a good heel and a great heel. And Mm -hmm. there was like, you know, Bruce thought I could be a great heel. Um, So they had turned me heel and I had gone out and headed up uh, uh, in a six man tag uh, myself, a guy named uh, Kirk Melnick as the black ninja. And one of the, like legends of stampede wrestling a guy named the cuban assassin angel acevedo who's qb cuban is 50 years in the business and an amazing mind and awesome guy and just a wonderful guy to talk to and he has this really really ridiculous outrageous accent that you can't understand he's great (laughs) and there's you know like it's it's one of those memories that sticks out in your brain is like you'll never forget your first time working with a quote unquote legend kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So across the ring from me is one of the guys I break in with, uh, Irish Red O'Riordan, another guy from the Maritimes named Todd the Bod Douglas, who apparently isn't a very nice person <laughs> from what I've understood, from what it's been explained to me. <laughs> but uh, most importantly for me is Keith Hart. So brother to Brett, Owen, uh, uh, and all of the people that I love. Mm-hmm. And I am just the giddiest of schoolgirls. Uh <laughs> And so this match starts and and when we were calling it like you as a worker understand, like when you're the green kid and you're sitting there and the vets start laying the match together, Mm -hmm. you're just eyes open, mouth shut, big, you know, shit eating grin on your face. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So these guys, these guys do the old school thing. Like I'm at the point and that like I had learned this early early in my career but I could from an early point like probably second year in only because of the crew that I was working with but after that second year in I could call it in the ring and like that's a, a very difficult learned skill for a lot of workers yeah and so Cuban and Keith laid this match out as two veterans do where they just lay out the turnarounds and the finish and we'll call it in the ring and four of the six of us start shitting our pants because none of us are really ready for, you know, kind of calling it out there on what is at this point, the biggest show in our lives. Mm-hmm. So all, all things being told, the match was awesome. And the show was awesome. There was a total sellout, 200, uh, 2,200 people, uh, wow. room seats, like 2000. So it was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was packed. It was insane. It was fun. Um, but the crazy story here in the part that, that you'll appreciate out of this now, as we get to the punchline is JP is doing an awesome job healing and he's doing such a great job that Keith Hart recognizes what good heat I'm getting and tags himself in as I'm working with Irish red, who is like one of my dungeon compatriots. And we're, kind of just doing our thing since we've had a few matches together and Keith tags in and proceeds to just beat the horse shit out of me for a good three minutes where like, and and I know you've probably been in that situation with maybe like a Lufisto or something like that, where somebody catches you on that first one. You're like, Oh shit. Ow, potato. (laughs) Fuck. And then the second one comes and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, like, ow, what are you doing? And he, like for a good three to five minutes, he beats the horse shit out of me. Oh, no. And I just remember almost panicking, but then being like, well, this is, he knows what he's doing. I'll just shut up and listen. <laughs> and and so he, he got him, like got us out of it into the next thing. And it turned out great. But it was one of those moments where, I've never been so happy to have the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is great. Keith Hart's punching me in the face. <laughs> Ow! You know, like. Do they start cheering for you then? Oh, yeah. Well, no. Like, it was, I, I was a heel. They, they were very happy I was getting my ass. <laughs> but it was, it was one of those crazy moments where you just. Like you're both happy and sad all at the same time. Like, ow, this really hurts. And I'm, I'm getting really beaten up, but at the same time, the crowd loves it. So I'll just shut up. Damn. 
Good times. You know, the things that you put your body through. <laughs> well, like and then that's all of us, all of us in wrestling and the people, people don't understand gravity hurts, man. Like you can't fake falling. You know, you can soften a punch, but you can't soften a fall from six feet in the air. That's right. Okay. How about your best wrestling memory? Oh, my best wrestling memory. Well, okay. That would come down to a couple of different ones. Um, my favorite match of all time was in Thunder Bay. And it was a, uh, a last man standing match with a guy named Rob McManus, who worked as the Highlander. And we'd probably worked, you know, 100 to 150 matches together throughout our careers. So we had a, just an absolute barn burner. We lit the place up. Crowd was electric. Standing ovation at the end. One of those things that was great. But I mean... Biggest high spots, I'm going to go with two that come to mind offhand. The first one being uh, Mexico City for a CMLL tournament. Uh, uh, there was like 40,000, 50,000 people in uh, uh, this arena. It was just madness. And it was a 10-man tag match, essentially, uh, uh, the world versus Mexico. You know, hmm. and uh, uh, guys like Sanjay Dutt, AJ Styles, uh, hmm. Jay Lethal, myself, uh, uh, Mark Jendrake. Uh, uh, like, the, the, there's a real great list of talent on both sides, and it was totally a lot of fun. It was like uh, um, Hector Garza, who's passed one of the last time yeah. I worked with him. Uh, wow. Rest in peace. He was one of my favorite dudes. Um, got to work with Alberto Del Rio there, which was surreal and weird. Like here, here's a good story. You'll appreciate it <laughs> actually. So, um, you, as, as you well know, I, I rarely put up with other people's shit and, um, I am happy to shoot it out with just about anybody. <clears throat> so when we got to Mexico and we they bus us, like, they fly us in, they put us in a bus, they take us to the hotels that we're staying at and stuff like that. And then they load us up and they take us down to the, the arena so that we can get to the uh, training center and dojo and kind of go over some stuff with guys. And when I get there, or when we get there, like, a lot of the guys on the Mexican team had worked with some of us at uh, Impact for uh, the, the X-Cup stuff. Right, right. Right, the World Expo. So guys like Shocker and uh, uh, Hector and who else? Another person came up to me like immediately as soon as we got there. And we're like, brother, brother, brother. Oh, it's so good to see you. Can we do the thing? Can we do the thing? And it's like, okay, yeah, I know your stuff. I'm happy to work with you. But in this instance, now you got to put my stuff in there too. So, <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those things where uh, like I have uh, a good base and good chemistry with a lot of the Mexican guys. So they like my basing and I like working with them and blah. And so Del Rio sees this and comes over and I'm talking with shocker and he's like, Hey, you know, uh, he looks like you, you can this, that, and the other, can we do a spot together? Like, absolutely, man. Sure. So he calls out this like five or six move spot. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, we walk through it, I'm like do it a second time. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, no problem. Easy peasy. Right. So comes to match time and like the match is just an hour worth of insanity. Like it's, it's madness. Uh, the editing doesn't like, I, they put it up online, but it's all edited to shit. 
Um, and, and it just doesn't do it justice of what craziness went on. But the high spot for me is I'm working with all of these great guys and Del Rio gets in with me and we start to work and he goes into his spot and he forgets his own spot. Oh my gosh. So I cut him off and I go, okay, blah, blah, blah. This is the spot. And he shoots behind me. And at no point um, uh, uh, did he call a power bomb at all. And this Mexican ring is like a boxing ring. And there's no fucking way I'm taking a power bomb oh. from a six foot six guy. It's way too stiff. So he, he sets me for a power bomb and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I literally shoot a leg on him and he literally shoots a leg back on me and then sl- sl- slides in behind me and shoot oh. Germans me. Now at oh. this point though, I am happy to take a rolling German bump. <laughs> Right. So I let him German me. No problem. Roll out, tag out. That's enough of that for me. Right. Dude forgot his own spot, but he was super pissed. Right. Why are you trying to shoot with me in the back? And I'm like, motherfucker, you did not call a power bomb. And I am not taking a fucking power bomb from you or anybody else in that stiff ass fucking ring. Fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fuck you back. Yeah, I mean, I uh, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. It was hilarious, and then I got to watch it on tape, and it's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did they edit that out? <laughs> nope, that's still it? in there. Is it? Oh, yeah, that's this. still in there, and you can see the moment I go, nah, fuck <laughs> that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Good times, but that was when he was Dos Caras Junior. Yeah, so I guess he never changed. Right? <laughs> people never change. That's not true. A lot of people change. Time changes us all. People allow it. That's people true. are open to it. That's true. That's true. Sometimes they are not. <laughs> okay, how about a moment in your life that you want to forget? Ooh. Wow, you probably come up with a couple of those. Um, let's see. Well, the stabbing would be a great one. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I'd prefer that not to be a thing. But but that's such um, a crazy story to tell, though. Yeah, but it's just not a good one. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot. Like my like, I can I can, you know, everybody can look back and and kind of pick through their life and be like, eh, eh, eh. The one thing, if you know, you, like they say, you can go back and t- talk to your 18 year old self, but you can only say three words, you know, like, crepes, <laughs> well, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I would change immediately, uh, if, if given the chance to redo over. So payment plans for wrestling training, right? Mm-hmm. Kids and new trainees in these days need to remember that payment plans can always be worked out mm-hmm. at my time of going into wrestling training as i was getting out of the military of course i had what they called your return of contributions so uh every year you pay into your military retirement fund right mm-hmm. and when you get out you either get that return to you or get put into rsps or whatever or you retire on it if you stay in So I had my return of contributions and 
use that to pay for my wrestling training. But had I had a brain, I would have used it as a down payment on a house mm-hmm. because I could have still gone and went to wrestling training and just made payments. Right. right. But I was like, oh, let's just pay it all at once and blow and be done with it. And that was the stupidest thing I could have done because when I was getting out of the army, and this is where like <laughs> my true one regret pretty much lies they were selling off the military quarters to those of like the guys in the military who were staying in Calgary. Mm-hmm. They were selling them for $25,000 each. And so I could have gotten a bank loan and probably purchased three of them, lived in one, rented two and been very happy for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. But instead I became a wrestler. <laughs> I didn't even know they did that. And that's, they, they don't normally, it was, they were closing oh. the base in Calgary and oh. moving everybody up to Edmonton. So they were offering them up to the military personnel wow. for $25,000. And like at the time in 97, it's like, well, what am I going to need a military quarter for? I'm not going to stay in here. But like, oh, idiot. So that's the one thing that if I, if I really could, I would go back and change because that's, that's a life altering thing. Like I tell any new wrestling trainee, you know, that I meet like the soonest you can invest in real estate Mm -hmm. because it's the only thing that they're not making any more of. Wow. Speaking of trainee, My husband, Josh Alexander. See that, see that segue there? <laughs> see how I did that? That's called being a professional. <laughs> he was trained by you. Yes, he was. What were your first thoughts when you met him? Oh, oh, Josh. Josh was a treat, actually. Uh, Josh was hilarious to me because, um, and I'm sure he's told you this, like I see a lot of myself in Josh in so much as when he was young, uh, kind of a mama's boy and a little bit soft, much like me. And that's not a, a, a shot at him, but it's just a statement on where he was as a teenager at the time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but uh, uh, much like uh, you have seen uh, since heart as big as the world. Um, right. You know, uh, um, and that's like, so my school, when I ran it, I ran it a little differently in so much as I, I didn't take everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a trial process and, you know, uh, within that trial process, there were those who it, you know, when it's obvious that it's not going to be for them, you know, make them, let them save their money and, and save themselves a whole bunch of pain and, and the indignity of quote unquote failure. That's a great thing to do. That's, you know, yeah, that's amazing. You know, like it, well, it's, it's, it's compassion. And a lot of yeah. people don't have that compassion. They, exactly. they just want to, they want to take people's money and quote unquote, let them live their dream. But meanwhile, they're actually crushing their dream. They're stealing their life savings and they're essentially creating what will be a dependent uh, mental case down the road, you know, cause their mental health will suffer. And sorry, JP, but, um, okay. speak speak of the devil. <gasps> jo- <laughs> Has he appeared? He just came home from being three days away. Oh, hooray! You should hug him. 
he says I can hug you. We can break to have a hug. <laughs> Doesn't even need to be a break. Call Here, it, call it a three-way hug. I'm, I'm verbally hugging you right now. Hello, JP. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Kohai? I'm good. I'm tired. I just got home. I, so it non, appears. Non-stop, non-stop flights for the last two days. So. Oof. Uh-huh. Well, that's what happens when you're champ, man. <laughs> Put in yeah. those hours, brother. Yeah, I know. I wanted it for so long. I'm not going to complain about it, but I definitely need some sleep. You go get that, man. All right. I won't interrupt anymore. I hope it's good. I mean, I know <laughs> it's going to be good. He's tired. And and well, he should be. He's yeah. <laughs> right. Those are long road trips and people, you know, like that flight time might sound like nothing, but it's uncomfortable. And after you've been beat up. Mm-hmm. It's not the best thing in the world. And sitting on a plane for eight, 10, 12 hours is not only painful. that, but like layovers, just oh, sitting there. Airports like, and people and growth. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Lucky poo. Blah. Okay. So you're saying that you well, hold tryouts, right? So, yeah. I'd like, and. <laughs> helping to give people the answer of this is this for me in the first day I think is something that every school should try to strive for mm-hmm. because ultimately like whether it's a week two weeks or a month later if they quit and they have poor taste in their mouth you know you've taken somebody who was a wrestling fan and you've turned them away from being a wrestling fan mm-hmm. you know um in that in a lot of those instances. So when Josh tried out, um, you know, the physical stuff kind of was a challenge. Like mm-hmm. it was 300 squats, um, 300 squats, hundred pushups, hundred sit-ups, I believe. Yeah. But the, the secret and, and what a lot of people don't understand is, is you don't have to do it all together at once. Right. Mm. But I, as a good coach, don't tell people that. Right. You let Mm -hmm. them try to figure it out on their own. And then it shows you what kind of critical thinking and analytical skills they have. Oh, And from there, it also shows you what kind of heart they have. Because if they try to do it all in one bunch, Mm -hmm. well, 300 squats all in one bunch can be done. Yeah. Right. If you do them regularly, (laughs) if you don't do squats regularly and a hundred is going to start to crack you with the lactic acid buildup. Right. Right. And, and you'll start to wiggle and shake and fall apart and blah. And then, you know, Oh, this is mean. Well, no, it's just a test. And you know, you either pass or you fail the test. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will decry that method as, you know, brutal and it's mean and it shouldn't have to do it. Well, you do have to do it because you've got to be able to lift up other people. You've got to be able to hold yourself up at the very minimum, but you also need to be able to lift another person's body weight to do things like body slams and suplexes mm-hmm. safely. Right. And so you need a level of strength and, and uh, um, Josh, thankfully, like wasn't as soft as I was expecting him to be mm-hmm. easily passed over the physical hurdles. And then from there, it was kind of more of a mental thing in the beginning. Cause I like, Josh had a little bit of low self-esteem, but I think, you know, like a lot of us did, you know, at that age, at that time, because when you're not, you know, a buff jock kind of thing to begin with, 
it's intimidating being around bodybuilders and shit like that in the wrestling industry. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, you know, Josh um, is a, a true student of the game kind of thing. And so like immediately, like guys like him and, and Rollins, it was easy to coach them because they, they had the brains that could easily pick stuff up. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And then it will like, we moved past the basics in the first month and we were on to like, you know, more advanced stuff by probably the fifth, sixth week. And then, you know, third, fourth month in, he was, he was ready to rock and roll. And that's not to say he couldn't work beforehand, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's, it's a big difference between like, you know, kind of knowing how it should look and then making it how it should look. Right. It's a huge difference. <laughs> And did you follow Josh's career? Oh, like, always. Yep. I've, yeah. I've kept up with it always, man. And that's, I keep up with all of my students. Like they may not think I'm, I'm watching, but I'm watching because, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, I'm proud of all of them. Mm-hmm. And, and like, no matter, no matter what, I know that anybody who says that I trained them in any way, shape or form is going to be good at at that at least the couple of things that I helped him with, you know, and, and, uh, um, Josh already had the makings of being good before I got to him. So then, then like, it was just like, you could call it f- f- forming a diamond or polishing a diamond mm, in the rough like as, as it were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not a jeweler per se, but you know, there's a few cuts on that gem that are mine that help make it what it is. And that's, it's, it's definitely a diamond. Right? Well, and that's pressure, right? What, what forms gems and minerals is pressure, right? And mm-hmm. you know, diamonds are the rarest. Like seeing him now, what were your thoughts when you, did you watch Rebellion? Of course. So what were your thoughts watching the match and seeing him win the X Division title? Oh, I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. To, to me, it's like an, uh, uh, it's, it's an affirmation now of the next logical step, which is singles competitor. And that's not to say he and Paige are an amazing tag team, and I hope they reform their tag team down the road. <coughs> but um, at the same time, uh, um, Josh is you know, his own man that has an infinite well of good matches in him right now. And that's what, like, I'm excited for this X run. The Hopefully they give him a good variance of opponents to play mm-hmm. with that can showcase a lot of different styles and, and stylistic clashes and stuff like that. Because truly, I think that's where Josh excels. And that's not to say the X division isn't uh, um, his home, but at the same time, you know, um, Josh is a big kid and eventually the heavyweight championship should be his based on his ability to have amazing matches with anybody. Mm-hmm. Of any size, anywhere, you know, and that's what makes a true champion is, is the ability to, to, to um, really pull it out of people. And that's the X division is, is a first step. I see a, a heavyweight title run eventually, hopefully for him. And then who knows from there. My fingers are crossed. Me too. 
I'll even do my toes. <laughs> okay, let's take a break from stories and let's play some games. Sure. I have a this or that game. Okay. Um, you know the premise. I'll name two things and you just tell me which is better. All right. The first one, after talking to you for like almost an hour, I think I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Get even or get over it. Get even or get over it. Yes. Hmm. Do you want to say it together? (laughs) Well, it depends. It depends on the situation. For most things, it's get over it. But for certain people, it has to be get even because lessons don't get learned unless you get even. Exactly. Exactly. Lessons must be learned. Education must be had. Same boat. Okay. So I was going to say get even, right? Because of that, that, because you are the person to really give a lesson, right? And you just seem like you know, like you're smart. So you're not going to let stupid people do stupid shit. And that's, I will, I'll let them do it twice. And then on the third time, I'll not be nice. Be nice twice is my rule. Be nice twice. I like that. I like that. Okay. How about lose your sense of taste or sense of smell? Ooh, man. That's a tough one. I would have to go. I Well, I would have to go with sense of taste because as long as you can smell certain things, it still tastes like you're eating the smell. Interesting. And then that way I could eat like seafood and weird shit that like, I'm allergic to seafood and whatever, but I <laughs> oh, mean like, right. you know, like the stuff that I never eat cause it's icky. I could eat it cause I couldn't taste it. Well, seafood like, isn't really a great smell. <laughs> I, I, I get you. I get you. But I mean, like taste wise, I would at least yeah. be able to palate it. And then you won't get reactions from it. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, I'd probably still have allergic reactions. Oh, no. But, you know, at least I wouldn't taste it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have a plan or go with the flow? Oh, I always have a plan. Because the great part about a plan is, is when it breaks down, at the very least, you're prepared for, for the flow. Would that be the same when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that comes from an early age of knowing that a little planning and preparation makes everything easier. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like even for example, and this is (laughs) my like COVID Mm -hmm. knocked all of my plans for a loop. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't have a plan, I would probably be homeless right now if I just went with the flow kind of thing. Right. Yes. Okay. Tacos or pizza? Ooh. I'm going to have to call pizza on that one uh, only because you can put lots and lots of great toppings on pizza. You can only stuff so much in a taco. (laughs) And what's your type of pizza? Um, I'm a meat lovers from a place called Chicago Deep Dish here in Calgary is my favorite. Uh, It's like a essentially brick of cheese and bread with sauce it's wonderful um but there's a a couple of places tom's house of pizza has a multiple locations throughout western canada that has absolutely fantastic pizza and i'll take just about anything from there Mm. are you a pineapple guy 
I'll take a pineapple on pizza every once in a while. Like I don't mind a Hawaiian. I, I don't find it that big of an affront. Whereas something like anchovies, like why, why? You know, why would I, you put fish on pizza? Yeah, but have you tasted it though? Uh, no, allergic. Oh, right, right. <laughs> See, I've I've never tasted it, but I I kind of want to try it just to. <laughs> Just to say. For the greasiness of the sardine? Sure. Okay. <laughs> we love, we're uh, we're pineapple people over here. We're big Hawaiian okay. fans. All right. Fair enough. So, I, I, like, I can get with some Hawaiian. I don't mind. <laughs> okay. The last this or that, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Oh, uh, let's, I'm going to have to Backstreet because it's back. All right. Backstreet's back. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's... That's a tough one. I wasn't much for boy bands um, back in the day. Like personally, I would probably light both of them on fire for warmth. <laughs> but, I know. I was gonna say. I, I I know you're probably not a boy band guy, but yeah. But I mean, if you're choose. if you're gonna force me to choose, I would probably feed in sync to the Backstreet Boys before I used them for long term meal planning. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Before destroying them, but yes. it's a good answer. <laughs> I would have a well-stocked larder. Okay. Next game. All right. Is rapid fire. I'm going to name a simple move. Pew, pew. And you just name the first person that pops up in your yeah. head. Give it to me. Okay. Dropkick. Oh, uh, Mark Jindrick. I swear to God, he's got a 10-foot dropkick. Highest vertical I've ever seen. Well, he is tall, right? He's huge. He's like six foot six, but he can jump like a gazelle. It's insane. I've never seen anything like it. And I've (laughs) seen some crazy vertical drop kicks. Super kick. Ha! Shawn Michaels. Choke slam. Undertaker. DDT. Ooh, Jake, baby. German suplex. Chris Benoit. Moonsault. Chris Daniels. Or oh. Liger. Yeah. As soon as you said Chris Daniels, I just, that image of him landing on his head. Just, oh, oh, yes. Oh. A little sigh. <laughs> and the last one, Powerbomb. Uh, Psycho Sid. Oh, good one. Yeah. It's my favorite Powerbomb that I ever took. You took one from him? I got to work Sid in Ottawa and it was awesome. Oh, we had an awesome match. I got to body slam him. He's 300 pounds. I'm super strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's fucking huge. Yeah. No kidding. Like he's a ginormous dude, or at least he was, do you know what I mean? Like he was probably three ten, and like he's six foot 10. Mm-hmm. He was probably 310, 325 pounds when I worked him. Like, and you did a singles slam. match with him? <laughs> yeah. And he, he called it. He's like, body slam me. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> but it worked. I did it. Amazing. I, I was as impressed, <laughs> surprised as you are. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to stories. <laughs> Right. I want to know more. I feel sure. like you just have like 
Oh, I have an infinite well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about um, a story from your bouncing days? Oh, let's see. Okay, so where I bounced was a nightclub called uh, Misty's and Dewey Stevens. Misty's was a strip club. So I was a doorman, a bartender. uh, I bartended in in the bar bar, but I bounced in the strip club. So... One of my absolute favorite strip club bouncing memories was um, there's regulars that you get at every club, right? But strip clubs have some pretty like out there uh, uh, characters as far as regulars go, Yeah. right? Like the people you see in a bar are very different than the people you see in a strip club. So there's one, it was a Sunday night, in fact, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I was the only bouncer in the on the strip club, and there was like four or five guys on the nightclub side. And there's a group of about ten college age kids, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, somewhere in there, all out for a party, all having a rip, all having a good time. There was maybe fifteen other people in the entire club uh, when a group of about eight of some of the biggest bikers that you've ever seen come in. And now I am well familiar with all of the HA guys and the bikers in the area. So Mm. guys are my friend and there's one, um, his name is Wade. Uh, He has since passed on from suspicious reasons. (laughs) Uh, At the time uh, Wade was alive and it was Wade's birthday. And Wade was six foot eight and probably 350 to 390 pounds. Wow. Just like he used to, I, so when I bounced, I also worked like I had, uh, when I first broke into wrestling, I had four jobs on the go at one point. I was a security guard. I was bouncing and bartending at uh, the nightclub, the strip club. And I also worked at a gym. Uh, Mm -hmm. During the day, I did like front desk, supplement sales, blah, 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 and then eventually personal training. Mm -hmm. And so while I was working at the gym, this was also, uh, this place called Pro Bodies was also the place where a lot of the bikers would go work out. And so Wade would come in there and I would regularly uh, spot Wade while he behind the neck pressed three plates plus. And like, just to give that a a relative measure like a a three-plate bench press is hard behind the neck press at 300 pounds is just insane amounts of strength Mm. so he was a monster like i can't even express like bam bam bigelow but bigger oh wow okay yeah um so (laughs) These guys from the college guys are starting to get a little bit of rowdy and, and be a little bit obnoxious. So I had to go over and, and have a chat with one or two of them for a second. And uh, um, I come back to the bar after chatting with them and Wade's coming walking over and uh, um, he's like, hey, man, you know, if you guys got if you got any problems, you just let me know and we'll handle it. And I'm like, don't you worry, big fella. I got this all under control, right? Oh dear. It's not a problem at all, <laughs> right? And so he kind of laughs and heads back to his thing. And sure enough, these guys end up being fucking dickheads. And they start 
like one of them like one of the really drunk ones starts talking shit to one of the other bikers and it's like the, just the stupidest thing you can do mm-hmm. and i am like <laughs> two seconds away from phoning the police because it's like i don't even want to fucking deal with this this is just going to be a nightmare mm-hmm. so i'm literally standing there with my uh uh, phone in hand and Wade comes over. He's like, you want us to handle this right now? And it's like, look, big fella, I've already dialed nine. <laughs> if anything gets worse, I'm just going to press one and one. And he's like, <laughs> he starts laughing and I'm like, don't worry about it, man. So I put the phone down because I was essentially making a joke, but I go back over to these guys and I'm like, look, like you guys are going to have to go. And at this point they get into it with the bikers a ridiculous brawl ensues that doesn't last very long because mm-hmm. like, it's like watching children try to fight seasoned war <laughs> veterans. It's <laughs> hilarity ensues. But at the same time, like I'm doing my job and trying to usher people out of the bar. Yeah. Right. But this Wade guy comes out literally carrying two guys in his hands, like one in each hand, like by the back of their pants slash jacket slash oh I think gosh. skin. I'm pretty sure he had him <laughs> by the skin. And like I just it looked so uncomfortable. I'm pretty sure it was skin. And and I'm like, see, I had that entirely under control. It's, he and his boys are literally pounding these guys out on the pavement. And he stops in the doorway to talk with me. He's like, oh, it was a pretty good birthday, man. And you're like, ah, for as far as birthdays go, I guess was, at least that's some entertainment. So that was one of my favorite bar stories. Oh man. <laughs> then well, on the flip side, yeah. One night Jim Neidhart is there. And if anybody knows Jim Neidhart at the time, may he rest in peace and I miss him and love him as well. Mm-hmm. But Jim is one of the strongest humans to ever grace a wrestling ring. He got the nickname the Anvil. Because he used to competitively throw 500-pound anvils. Oh, really? Oh, let my me, God. I can't believe I didn't yeah, know that. Let me let me reiterate that word. He used to throw 500-pound anvils. So Jeez. Jim drives this little Beamer M4 thing, two-door sports car, convertible, and refuses to park in a parking spot where, you know, safety would be. Instead, parks directly beside the club door. Oh, no. That's a no-no. No, Well, it's just a bad spot. Yeah. Because fights happen. And people get so, thrown out there. Yeah. Well, and so we're in the strip club, and I'm bartending in the club, and a call comes over the radio that a huge brawl has broken out. And so in the club next to us, like in the nightclub, a lot of, uh, uh, there was at the time, like two gangs that used to frequent the club. One was uh, an Asian gang, i.e. triad kind of thing, uh, but not called the triad. Uh, and the other one um, was Lebanese guys, a few Middle Eastern guys, but mostly Lebanese guys. And these guys used to get in like 10 and 15 man brawls. It was insanity. And the call comes over the radio that a fight has broken out in the nightclub between these two factions and that 20 of them are spilling outside. And I go running outside and Jim's like, everything all right. And I go running outside 
And I see this fight in like the, the doorways between essentially like 30 guys and oh. they're falling on Jim's car. Oh. And I run back in and I'm like, Jim, you're going to want to come help because these guys are falling all over your car. And I shit you not. This was one of the funniest moments I've ever seen. In you a just fight. peel guys off and throw them off. Not, of not even. And that's it. Throw them for distance. <laughs> like imagine being a poor 150 pound Chinese kid <laughs> being picked up over your head by this orange, for lack of a better term, gorilla. <laughs> and thrown for 20 feet like oh my god like he just starts launching guys and it's hilarity and at one point he grabbed me and i like I, he wasn't even looking but like oh it no was, it was insanity like i he, like he had me up before i knew what was going on but he put me back down thankfully without throwing me. <laughs> but like it, it, it was it was a madhouse and like one of my all-time standout memories is just Jim standing there with a guy over his head. Launch. Oh my like, god. Wow. So how how was his car? Uh his car was fine. Like like a couple of people fell on it, but by the time we got out there, he like he cleared a 20-foot area around it. Nobody even went near it. <laughs> it was hilarious. Like he threw about five or six guys and then nobody came near him. It was awesome. Wow, I didn't know that about him. Uh, like oh. uh, about his name. That's where he got the nickname the Anvil. Well, that's so odd and so awesome. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I just, right. you know, I I could like I just sit <laughs> here and listen to yes. <laughs> I love your I stories. You. Well, I thank you and I will tell many more. <laughs> okay give me two more as we get together well okay well first of all you got to promise me that you guys are coming out to alberta for a visit this summer the summer so, yeah well, once I, restrictions are up you got to come i'm gonna well, take I, a vacation I, uh, it's gonna happen it's gotta happen you you text josh about that okay that's right yeah <laughs> i got you <laughs> but all right i'll give you one more i'll give you one more how about that okay ready ready all right so when we used to go up to the house, like Stu had a mansion on the hill here in Calgary mm -hmm. and they used to set the ring up outside in the summers. And we used to get a lot of really strange people. Like the dungeon was obviously a very popular place, right? So a lot of people would come and go and come and go. But one of my all time favorites uh, and damn it if the name escapes me now, but we're going to call him what Bruce Hart nicknamed him. And please, fans listening, um, don't get offended at me. Simply put, this is, uh, uh, I'm calling him what he was called for his duration of his stay. Oh so this guy was called the Auschwitz Kid. And he looked like he he had just walked off the street and been living under a bridge for a couple of years. Oh, he was filthy and dirty and hairy, and I, I like I just I felt for him because he looked like a homeless guy, but mm -hmm. he wasn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But he probably like and and at this point with the amount of people that came through the dungeon that were mentally handicapped, I'm going to bet that this guy had some sort of autistic spectrum handicap or something. Mm -hmm. 
but the way we ran practices and workouts was super physically intensive, right? And while the concept of kayfabe was pretty much out the window, there were still some aspects of the business that we tried to protect, right? So in the effort to not break kayfabe, uh, uh, as Bruce Hart entertained probably four or five or seven new students in this one day, um, we were asked to take our tempo and pace and everything up a notch mm-hmm. or so than we already did. We already went at like 90 miles an hour, right? To ensure that we got across that this is not a, a fake wrestling facility kind of thing, right? Right, right. So this poor kid, like that. Bruce just had him run the ropes a few times and do a couple of just basic falling drills. And like physically his body wasn't prepared for it at all. Like, Mm -hmm. like if you go to a wrestling tryout and you have no muscle tissue whatsoever, it's Mm going to hurt. All of it's going to hurt. You got like, it's going to hurt a lot. So rather than, rather than watch this poor kid, like physically destroy himself, Bruce starts to talk to the kid about possibly being a manager or doing something backstage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and this kid finds his, his opening because he styles himself to be the next Paul Heyman. And so he goes off in his brilliant booking mind and he expounds to Bruce who's standing in the middle of the ring <clears throat> and got this semi shit eating grin, semi like annoyed look. Like, oh, this is hilarious, but fuck, I wish this guy would shut up kind of face. <laughs> and he finally goes, oh, and I'm going to bust out my Bruce Hart for you here so you can appreciate this. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get outside the ring here. Um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to put this ladder in this tree. And I want you to climb the ladder and uh, stand on top and hold your arms up kind of in the Jesus pose. And uh, yeah, then think about the spirits of wrestling that the dungeon has seen and can guide you towards your booking potential. And all of us stood there as this guy climbed this ladder into an evergreen tree and put his arms up to the side and leaned against this evergreen tree with like (laughs) the tree literally in his face. For a good 20 minutes to a half an hour. And we all just kind of like, is this really fucking happening? Like, <laughs> okay. Um, unfortunately, the Auschwitz kid did not grace us with his booking brilliance again. <laughs> that was one of the better uh, uh, ribs that I got to see put through the dungeon that made me laugh forever, man. I'll never forget that site. Oh. Like, I feel bad. I feel bad. At the same time, like, like, what do you do? (laughs) Right? Like, 
if you like, I, I got to think of it from Bruce's side. Like if you see a mm-hmm. hundred of those guys in two months, at some point you start having fun with them. Yeah. You know Aww. what I mean? And what, if they don't tell you that they actually have any kind of mental disability, if they're like, he was probably just a normal guy. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm thinking he had a disability or he had to have to have allowed this to go on and not realize that he was being ribbed. Oh, but he literally stood in that tree for half an hour. And then what did he do? He was just like, okay, are we done yet? And just, well, and, then, the, and then he came down like Bruce, like, uh, yeah, come on down. Uh, <laughs> see you next practice. Oh <laughs> and he God. never came back. Oh, unsurprisingly. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess that's how you weed them out. Right. <laughs> well, that's a, hey, the, the business, right? That's what happens, right? They come, they go like by the hundreds. Okay, JP, one last game to close off. It is my Survivor Series game. All right. You're going to choose four active wrestlers Hmm. that you'd want on your squad with you. Okay. Now, do you watch Survivor Series? Oh, yeah. Do you watch all wrestling? Like all of it? Well, most, most, yeah. Like I get little bits of stuff here and there. Mm -hmm. So is is this my... Johnny Devine's Survivor Series team, yes. made up of people that that are of the Johnny Devine mold. Exactly. Wonderful. Okay, so first pick is Josh. Mm. Second like pick it. is Silas. <laughs> uh, uh, the last Silas real Young. man, Silas. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, so, who? Now they just retired. I would have gone with um, Kazarian and Daniels, mm-hmm. um, but since they're kind of heading off, I'm going to go with number three pick Samoa Joe. And do I get one more, or is that it? You got one more. Samoa Joe and oh, uh, we need a good anchor, good solid main event anchor. I'm going to go with Xavier Woods. Oh. Yeah, he's my boy. Like nothing lo- nothing but geek love there. We would we would do all of the video gaming. There you go. See, I you okay. Surprise. I don't, yeah. I- <laughs> Little known fact about Mr. Woods. A, he's got a PhD, but B, he can go like he's a shooter don't know it really well not you know like aj styles would have been my other choice other than him because aj's a shooter too and people don't Mm -hmm. know it but i love woods (laughs) yeah oh i'm so glad you picked him well it it would have been it would have been woods aj or kenny omega whom i've had probably a dozen matches all out there yeah yeah i like your picks especially your number one pick (laughs) heard that kid's good (laughs) well johnny can you let us know where they can find you on socials sure uh facebook instagram or twitter um insta or twitter at canadian silver badger or cdn silver badger uh facebook johnny divine and i don't uh uh twitch or uh uh, tiktok I tried it for a minute, but I just can't get with 15 second sound bites and, and video <laughs> bites. I'm, I'm really trying. Like, don't get me wrong. TikTok entertains the shit out of me. I just suck at it. That's all I'm saying. 
What's your favorite TikTok videos? Like, what do you oh, search for? Uh, I like D and D, like D and D TikTok videos, Dungeons and Dragons TikTok videos. Those those kill me. Like, there's some creators out there who just put me on the floor with their shit. What is it? Like, what did, what what do they do? Oh, just uh, like sing-alongs and stuff like that from the points of view of like player characters. You know, like uh, um, the rogue steals this or the the, the mage haha and blows shits up. Like uh, funny stuff like that. Okay. You know, from from the point of view of characters or bad guys, even which is hilarious. You should try All TikTok right. again. I, I'm gonna try. Like I, I keep now, trying. I want to see what I you're got, gonna. I want to see what you'll create. <laughs> and that's a, I, I'm working on that stuff. Right, I'm working on it. I promise. <sighs> well, JP, thank you so much. I keep calling you JP. Sorry, that's okay. Um, Six and one half <laughs> and the other, and I, I prefer JP. Okay, perfect. right. JP is a very different guy than Johnny, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is. One's a character and one's a real person. <laughs> JP, thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. Mm. And I'm so glad I got to listen to all these stories. And now the listeners knowing all your stories because they're completely insane. Like you <laughs> play it down like they're not. And it's just like, oh, whatever. But insane. Yeah, there's insane. a lot of them, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Josh and I come up there... You can tell me more. There you go. There we go. And so we shall. We'll go camping. <laughs> Thank Take you so much. Take the boys up to the mountains and they'll love it. All right. Oh, that would be so nice. Yeah, you guys are going to love it. I'm telling you. Okay, guys. Until then, see you next Tuesday. Thanks a lot, guys.